0: The following audio is via a Skype call. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy weekend. I'm Gary Mans.
1: I'm Suzanne Mitchell.
0: We are Manson Mitchell, and we're in your ears for the hour if our luck holds up, I should say. And of course, if we stay on the air, of course, that is the Herculean burden that rests on the shoulders of the man we like to call the dude, Mike Roberge. Michael, how are you today, sir?
2: Good morning, guys. It's my life's mission to keep us on the air. That's all I care about.
0: We're responsible for every gray hair, Mike. (laughs) Blame it on us.
2: (laughs) Well, actually, you realize your hair doesn't turn gray. You just lose pigmentation. I just learned that the other day. and I thought, huh, okay, that's interesting. That's all I got. I've I've been
0: losing some pigmentation (laughs) for a long time now. (laughs) I held out for a long time, but now, I don't know, I, I am... Suddenly, with less uh, pigmentation than before. I have to go ahead and look that one up. You just educated me, Michael. That's excellent. Loss (laughs) of pigmentation. Wow, I'm depressed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, discretion is a better part of valor. Let me just add that. I'll tell
1: you what's the All better right. part of valor: buck ninety eight for some hair color. Now that now that we are off track this much, I <laughs> Suzanne will just wanted say, to know. I will just say I worked with a woman once who had beautiful, beautiful, beautiful silver hair. Uh huh. And when her hair started turning darker, she said, "Oh, I have to stop taking my B vitamins because every time I take my B vitamins, my hair goes dark."
2: Interesting. Was she getting (laughs) shots of B twelve?
1: No, she was just taking pills.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Because that can
1: B twelve. Yeah. Go ahead. I just
2: can say that can happen sometimes uh, when you get a high concentration of B twelve, particularly if you're low. You know, if you're a quart low.
0: This guy's an apothecary with a mouth here today. uh, It's unbelievable. (laughs) B twelve shots. Do you know when I had a a kitty cat many many years ago in Seattle? There, she lost her appetite because she had had a a thrombosis there. And that's what ultimately led to her demise. That was a sad day for me. I really love that cat still do. But I suggested to the veterinarian that if the cat wasn't eating, we might try a B12 shot. Look at me with the kibitzing there and the vet said, Okay, we can go ahead and give that a try. No reason why we shouldn't. And it did help with Missy's appetite. Vitamin B12 shot is known for creating hunger. So if you're not eating, that will help you in that way by creating the pangs.
2: Yeah, it releases a hormone, which I forget the name of it, but uh, you are correct.
0: Very good. I didn't know pigmentation, but I know about vitamin <laughs> B12. This is great. You know, in a way, we're sort of easing our way into our interview. I with was the, thinking that. With the wonderful Faye Petrakowski, whom I will introduce in a moment,
3: mm-hmm. because
0: you know, this is the. I, I'm going to talk to her about all this, but you know, there there is the high minded resolve of New Year's Eve. Yes. And then shortly after New Year's Day,
1: where did all that go? And then you're sitting there with a bag of Oreos on your stomach, <laughs> eating and watching TV. <laughs> we know how those things go. But let's talk to Faye Petrakowski and expand this conversation yes, a little bit. And Why thank don't you, you, Mike. Give her the mad props. Today, Always
0: good here. to be in the presence of the dude. Yep. We're going to talk with Faye Petrakowski today. It's been a while. We are joined for the first time since 2016. We have been remiss. First time since 2016, joining us, pet and people psychic Faye Petrakowski, founder founder of Inner Design. That's her company, Inner Design. Faye says everything in life works better when people engage their intuition in decision-making along with reason, with logic. Here's a direct quote. I wanted to help people live richer lives by befriending and utilizing intuition. Inner design began with private consultations to assist people in examining and solving issues, unquote. And so what is this, the third or fourth time, I think? Time number four. Visit number four from Faye Petrikowski, who I believe still resides and thrives in Portland, Oregon. Faye, how are you, my dear?
4: Hi there. Good morning. Good to be with you again. Is it the fourth time? Wow. It is. It's fun. I always enjoy being on your show. It's lively.
1: And interestingly enough, our our introduction for you has to do with intuition. You've kind of expanded on that quite a bit. And, you know, like a a good Renaissance woman, you have multiple interests. And we're going to talk about one of your other interests today, which is the absolute perfect topic for us to be discussing after the new year. We're coming into the new decade. People have high-minded resolves to exercise more, eat better. And what can they do about that? And this is just something you happen to be very interested in right now.
4: Well, absolutely. I've been doing it for years. And actually, a lot of this came out of helping take care of my mother. um, And I realized when I had didn't have a lot of time when I was taking care of her and so I would start creating and I would program my intuition and I noticed when I was in the right mood and I programmed it I worked on the recipes in my mind then I felt the inspiration inspired the recipes turned out pretty good if I was not in a good mood and trying to use up food it was a disaster and still is don't cook if you don't want to be there in the kitchen
1: well that's that's good to say that means there's a lot of eating out Tell us some of your
0: kitchen horror stories. I'm up for that.
4: Oh my goodness. Let's see. Um, uh, Under cooking beans, I'm taking squash uh, to make soup, and I don't thoroughly bake it before I blend it up, and then I put too much uh, pepper in it because I'm not paying attention. Um, That's worse than not enough flavor because if you have a broth that doesn't have enough flavor, you could add your your, your oregano, you can add your, your other seasonings, but if you ruin it by um, undercooking something, that's a disaster. I'm making pizza, cauliflower pizza, with not enough flour, so I couldn't dry it out. I tried to dehydrate it. That didn't work either. So um, those are some of the worst things. Not having enough flavor, so I have to throw something out, like with a alternative uh, brownie. There's nothing worth, you know, the challenge is to get, when you're trying to get off the sugar is to use less fruit or whatever else other alternative you're going to use. So the challenge is to have it sweet enough so your taste buds start changing. But if you don't have enough, it, I guess maybe a lot of people end up throwing something out. But I've thrown out a few batches of brownies. But, but you learn as you go along. And I find it's like something, anything else. As you get better, you make fewer mistakes. And you can eat your mistakes rather than
0: toss them. Well, there you go. You can eat your mistakes rather than toss them. I was gonna save this little ball mole for later in the interview, but I'll go ahead and use it now. Faye, you know, we eat our mistakes all the time, I think largely through negligence because we don't look at what we are preparing. We aren't careful about the ingredients and the result, and I'm saying this to an animal communicator, the result is that we wind up ingesting things that we wouldn't feed our pets. Well, that's I, I think people are, true. Yeah, I think people are more careful about what they feed their cat or dog their, or their goldfish, for that matter, than what they throw in their own bodies very casually and unconsciously.
4: Oh, and I've seen, I've had clients that will spend more money on pet food than they will on their own. And I think that this, one of the things that has helped me look at it differently is to ask myself, what do I want? What does my addiction want? And what does my body want? And if I could... Start separating the three and think about it. Then I'll stop eating things that aren't so good for me. And I remember one year in Portland, um, back in the 80s, I worked with people recovering from um, heroin addiction. And I was teaching a class on stress management, and we were doing some breathing. And and one of the clients in this class said to me, if I stop and ask myself if I really want to take the heroin or the pills or whatever he was going to, that he, you know, above the method he was taking, he said I wouldn't do it, but I don't stop myself. I've always remembered that I just impulsively act. So if I'm at, at the store or I'm cooking something, does my body really want this, or is this my addiction talking? And I think if you start slowing down and ask those things, it changes your life. But it also means you're going to spend more time cooking, or you're going to eat differently. So that's the trade-off. You're more conscious with your consumption.
1: I think conscious consumption is a good topic for today, and uh, I have my own story to tell. I've told it uh, at least once before, but I'll tell it again today, and that is that oftentimes we make healthy changes going through the crisis door. And My particular crisis was that I was having a lot of belching, a lot of bloating, and all of the test results came back very good, except for the fact that I had some intestinal yeast. And the doctor said, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to put you on an anti-candida diet. And that means no sugar, no artificial sugar, no grains, no dairy, no caffeine, no alcohol. Uh, it was, I was pretty well, no fruit, I was pretty well limited to meat and green vegetables, no starches, no carbohydrates, and uh, and some nuts, nuts and seeds, nuts and seeds, meat and green vegetables. And I said, I don't know how the heck I'm gonna do it. And I had to get very creative because my breakfasts, when I you know, I wasn't gonna eat an egg every single day, so I was eating salads for breakfast, I was eating sautéed vegetables for breakfast, and I, I have to say, Fay, in three months' time, because he said, we're gonna do this for three months and see what happens, I lost 20 pounds. And a lot of that had to do with the sugar, and if you ask everybody in the, in the listenership to raise their hands if they've got a sugar addiction, my hand is, is way high to the ceiling because I just love sweet stuff. I have always liked sweet stuff. And what the doctor said to me earlier this year is, every time you're eating something sweet, you're feeding the yeast. They're loving it too. So if you wanna starve the yeast, you have to starve them of the sugar. And I I knew, I knew, know a, a friend of mine who lost a considerable amount of weight in a fairly short time. And I said, how did you do that? And she said, I stopped eating anything with sugar in it. And so, you know, when we're talking about our conscious consumption, if you were to make one recommendation for how to start the new year, would it be to eliminate sugar from your diet or something else?
4: You know, that's a really good question because I think it's a process. Um, I probably wouldn't go with the sugar. 1st I'd be second or third. I would start drinking more water. And then the second would be to um, eat more greens. And the third might be to believe or trust that your taste buds can change. I don't... You know, my guess is then that people to cut the sugar out right away, and I didn't, I had a long, windy road with it and almost didn't get off it, is, I haven't heard the story, but I imagine if somebody's diagnosed with something serious and they said, listen, the doctor says you need to stop the sugar immediately, maybe that's the case. But most people, it's slow. But, um, I mean, I think if, if people are going to cut the sugar out, then if that's their goal, and they say, you know, I don't know if I can taper off, then I would probably suggest Implementing a little more fruit and drinking more liquid. Because if you start giving people along list like create your own soup, eat more greens, the list, the longer the list gets, the more people throw their hands up.
3: Well,
1: fruit is full of sugar, so that's probably sure. not a good substitute. But you know, there's got to be like one small change that you can make. I know one of the things that I I favor during this period of time. Was having chicken broth and beef broth because it was extremely low in calories. Although eliminating calories was really not my goal, it was really starving the yeast out of my system. But it was satisfying to have a cup of broth, and, uh, yeah. and it, yeah, and it fills you up so that you're not looking for something else. But when we have these sugar cravings, I think there are are things that are going on in your body chemical reactions that you need to get changed because, as you said, you can actually change your taste buds. And I'll tell you, the first time I had something sweet at the end of three months, it tasted too sweet to me. If you're you're without sugar or anything sweet, no honey, no molasses, no artificial sugar, nothing sweet at all.
4: I I had that same experience, that and actually what got me helped me when I wanted sugar, now that I think about it, is I had some really high-quality quality sesame, tahini, and I would do that, I would have a tablespoon or two, I know it was, it's high in calories, and I started doing nuts, I would take a sunflower seeds. sometimes I would soak them, or I didn't want to soak them, I'd put them in a pan, and I would put a little olive oil, and my, I might put some cayenne or some soy sauce, alternative soy sauce, so it would be like a barbecue potato chips, but it would be sunflower seeds. And if I didn't have access, you know, I didn't have the time or access to the kitchen, I would start eating nuts. And I probably while overdid it on the walnuts and the sunflower seeds where I'd mix up the nuts and throw in pumpkin seeds. But I, the only reason why I suggested the fruit is sometimes it, but it, it works, but if you're really addicted, it doesn't work. But I think the, the protein is the thing you grab onto first and then the water. Because water usually won't stop people when they feel like they want something sweet, but a couple tablespoons of almond butter, sesame butter, something like that might stop it. And then you can go on to things like avocado or um, the nuts, you know, more, you know, walnuts, things like that.
1: Well, those are all fats, Faye. But you know, according to my own experience, the fats, the fats did not cause any kind of a, a problem for me. They were satisfying. And right. I continued to lose weight, no matter how many walnuts or avocados or or products that were high in fat that I ate. That didn't make a difference. It was eliminating the sugar that made all the difference.
4: Well, you have to eliminate the sugar. There's really no way around it. What I found is when I wanted something sweet, then my mind starts thinking, okay, let's have some walnuts. Let's have this. So you reprogram your mind, and then your, your craving disappears because... You, you really want to you're not feeding that craving and then you're you are satisfied with it. I started implementing, you know, parsley and cilantro after that and that worked for me. But there's no substitute I found for staying away from this stuff. And then you I found mentally I look at that chocolate and think, That probably has wheat in it, that probably has soy in it and the longer I talk to myself, I don't want it. So it's I, can I and understand I think every,
0: that pardon? I can understand that, you know, my whole, fay my issues there, and I'm not doing too badly, there over the last couple of years, I've managed to control my weight reasonably well, at the holiday time, I kind of go crazy a little bit, and I need to watch that there, but in terms of trying to maintain weight, the big challenge for myself and many people of my acquaintance is that the alternatives need to be just appealing enough that we don't fall prey to temptation.
4: Yes. Absolutely. And I, um, what I've noticed is that when people, like you said, get away from it for a few minutes, you, it doesn't taste the same. I was away from it for a good Six, eight weeks and i went to somebody's house and she had tootsie rolls there and those little um chocolate um what do you call them hershey's makes the little kisses in the, in the foil yes yes and i went right back to my eating my behavior and i noticed i was satisfied after a couple of them but i kept eating i couldn't stop and then i realized i was eating tootsie rolls that i could tell were rancid and i still couldn't stop i went through half her bowl and i realized you know i'm learning more about my addiction and and so it does it, even though it didn't taste the same i had trouble stopping it
1: so you know, i
4: think we, go ahead i think it's it's a everybody a lot of people have different experiences with it um, when i've made the alternative stuff with gluten free flours or not using the flours that satisfies my taste now some people aren't going to create their own recipes they may go to the store and buy a, Three, four dollar gluten free cookie, or a bag of them, or something, that still has its challenges for some people like me. If I eat enough of that, that sets off my sugar craving because the gluten free, basically, is flour;s it, it breaks, you know, it ends up as sugar. So I think some people have different levels of addiction. I, at one point, would, it was, it was a, I was fooling myself. I would, go to somebody's house and tell myself I wasn't paying for the cheesecake, so it was okay. Or I, I remember I was on a a cruise on the Portland Spirit in Portland, and I was uh, working. I was doing consultations for a company, and they said, Well, we'll, we'll buy, you know, have, help yourself to the food. So here comes by this server with a uh, with cheesecake. And I thought, Oh, I can have a piece and drink a gallon, and nobody will know. Well, of course, that, and that, in those days, I wasn't going to drink a gallon of water. I mean, I was so addicted, I, don't, I didn't realize it for a long time. So, and I was, I got to the point, I was so bad that I would buy Oreo cookies and they had the three columns. I'd buy fat-free or 25% less sugar. I'd eat part of the first column, crunch up the rest of them, but leave the other two columns whole, throw them in the trash, and the next day I'd go in there. Had I really been serious, they would have gone out to the trash can outside. But that's how far gone I was.
1: You know, Faye, when we talk about addictions, the first thing that comes to mind is drugs. The second thing that comes to mind is alcohol. Yeah. And then somewhere in there is cigarettes. And so, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of commercials on TV for, um, you know, help with your drug addictions, your alcohol addictions, things like that. And as a society, we are getting heavier and heavier. And... A lot of that has to do with the amount of sugar that's put in that is addictive so that you want more sugar, even something as benign as your ketchup. You know, you've got your ketchup, you've got your fries, you keep dipping it in. With each dip of the French fry into the ketchup, you're taking in more sugar. The sugar is really hidden in so many foods. And as you said, in gluten-free foods as well, we think on the one hand, well, it's gluten-free. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But a lot of things that are supposedly healthy for you are full of sugar. And many, many years ago, I had read that sugar was like a poison. We don't think of it that way. And the commercials are full of sweet things to eat, cereals and and pancakes. Oh, the, you know, all you can eat pancakes and all this stuff that has to do with sugar in your system. And, you know, we're, we're a society right now which has got a, a near epidemic of things like pancreatic cancer. Too much sugar
4: and and i know people who would say, have said to me actually i'd rather die than give up my sugar or my carbs they i actually said those things because they don't know how to do it or they're afraid to do it and and it's very insidious companies hire companies to make things taste taste better to enhance the taste and there is the sugar and Yes, it's very difficult when you buy store-bought stuff. you read the labels, and you'll see somewhere added sugars, alcohol sugars. So it's, you're right, it's very difficult. And I think, as somebody once said to me in a store, you want healthy food? Make your own. And I think there's some truth to that, but this society is not, I think, not ready to do that. All I think there's a generation coming up that starts to understand when they watch their parents and grandparents get sick and die, that they want to make their own, and I think that's a growing movement. I think it's slow, but you're fighting, driving, you know, through a fast food place where you can get five of this or that for ten bucks. How do you compete with that? Unless you want to look at your body as a temple, as sacred, if you want to have that kind of lifestyle, but the trade-off is dishes that you clean, the time you use. I mean, it's the trade-off. So there's a woman at a farmer's market who sells organic stuff, and she says to me, "I tell my customers." You either pay my price or you pay the doctor. What do you want to do? And I said to her, so who comes to buy your produce? She says, mostly people that have been diagnosed with some illness. That's when they come and they want the organic and healthy food. I don't know how common that is, but that's her experience.
0: I don't think a loaf of bread should cost six bucks.
4: No. (laughs) But when your grandmother made it, she didn't use a, a bread maker and it didn't cost her six bucks.
0: No, that's true, right. but my grandmother isn't around either. Right,
4: <laughs> so yeah. If, no, if it's, it's crazy. Maker,
0: and, and here's where I see your point, Faye. If you have a bread maker, you can go and get one of those, probably at Target or somewhere. I don't know about uh, Walmart so much, but people look around. They shop where they shop. Certainly the more elegant things are available at your local mall, right? And if you get a bread maker, you can, and this goes back to what you were saying a moment ago, you can determine which ingredients you're going to put in. And they're no secret. See, that's the thing that gets me when I hold up a can of soup, and it took an act of Congress for this labeling to become standard practice, by the way, back in the 90s. When we have this, we can decide, okay, this is way too much sodium. And that's one of the big reasons why I will put this or that item back on the shelf because of my blood pressure or you're talking about sugar. I was amazed, Faye, to discover how much, not only sodium, but how much sugar gets tossed into these manufactured soups. And I'm like, what's that doing in there? Why would I have that? The salt and the sugar, the combination, it sounds good and it certainly tastes good, but what it's doing to your body is ravaging. And so to be able to make your own soups, if you can come up with the right recipe, put you in charge in the kitchen, if I take your meaning, so that you decide, I can have a, a lot less of this and a little more of that and still come up with something that is comestible.
4: Absolutely. I, w- I have wished this for a long time. I wish, for example, there were groups and somewhere someday they will be like, for example, there are groups of five or six families, or four or five people in in a neighborhood, and somebody says, "I'm going to make two pots of soup. I'm going to give you this many quarts of it. Next week, somebody makes something else." I wish there was that kind of sharing, because I have actually gone to the stores, and I've you know when they say, they give you samples, I've gone to most of the markets, and I look and say, "It tastes great, but look at this sodium. Why can't they make it without four to six hundred, you know?" Milligrams of of the sodium, or you know, why why can't you make it with 150? Will it taste better? We don't do it without so much, you know. We can't. We don't make it without this. Even where they buy, some of the stores they buy them. You you know, where they have salad bars and and, and hot, you can buy um, hot food there. And you look at the soups; they're all highly salted. So you know, I think it's a trade-off, and most people throw their hands up until they get sick and they go i wish i would have done it and i don't know that there's any easy way around this except if you change your diet enough over time you'll want something different but i i tell people if you cook at home you save money and it's easy and they go but i'm not willing to do that
1: so yes yeah
4: it's, it's a tough one and and the candida stuff i've gone through that too when i was told you got to give this this and this and i thought i'm gonna die <laughs> you know I, you know, and, and it, and, of course, I got off it, then I went back to the bread because I wasn't totally finished with it, and then the candida came back, and I couldn't sleep, and then I got off it, and sometimes I was off the bread for a long time, and one time I had not had bread for a while, and I decided oh, I'll have a little. Well, a little doesn't stand a little when you're an addict. A little more, a little more. I took a drive from Portland to Seattle. I was visiting a friend in Bellevue, and I got to a place on the freeway where I had to get off, and I, I got confused, and I thought, I bet this is the bread. So I stopped using eating bread, and my thinking cleared up. And I noticed when I eat more bread, it affects my clarity. And I've heard other people say they they, wow. they do detoxes, they do celery juice, and they notice that their thinking is clear. Mm. So I don't think bread is just – th- it's, it's not just people with gluten or celiac, but they spray the chemicals, and I, I think the stuff is – it's glutinous, so I don't think it's really good for anybody. But it's a staple. You know, I went to visit a friend um, in Norway. I used to live there when I was little, and her sister said to me, "How dare you come back to this country and not eat bread and cheese? Because that's their staple." You know, and she she was not chastising so much like, "How can you even consider doing this?" And you can get gluten free products there, but you know, it's it's generations and tastes are passed down, and grandmothers did this and. You know, we had celebrations with coffee and candle and cognac and beer. And on the table, there's your bread and there's your candy from Switzerland or Sweden or Norway or seas from our country. So there's ritual with it, too, which makes it more complex.
1: Well, there you go. Let's go ahead and take our one and only break of this hour. We are talking with Faye Petrakowski, and we're talking about our consumptions and our addictions and food things. Because as we said at the opening, we have high-minded resolve for this 2020 that we are going to be healthier. But what is standing in our way of that health and what can we do to actually get on a healthier path? That's what we're gonna discuss after the break. So stay with us and thank you for listening to Manson Mitchell on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Preceding audio was via a Skype call.
2: Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell.
3: A message sponsored by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org.
1: On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome Patrick Andendahl once again to discuss how to eradicate the destructive forces working against our democracy.
0: On Saturday, Pam Mosley returns with what the color of your aura means and yes, she will be taking calls
1: bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson
0: Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Don't let that herd mentality lead you off a cliff. We support thinking for yourself on Alternative Talk 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. We are Manson Mitchell, and you see, Suzanne, there. here was my thought behind that. If we got sweets for my sweet... We're going doo-wop. Yes, the the easy choice, the default choice would have been Sugar Sugar by the Archies there. But I thought that's too predictable. But if we go for sweets for my sweet, it kind of brings us back to center point and our theme of the hour. And yet we're able to take a look back all those decades when the music itself was sweet and innocent, unlike the stuff you pick off the shelf at the store. We, go, we put a lot of production value <laughs> into our broadcast here. Faye Petrakowski from Portland, who is, she's not just a navel gazer, you got to give the lady her due. She is somebody who takes a dynamic view of life and is proactive about her own health, about the use of intuition along with logic, because we love reason as well. You got to. You have two hemispheres of your brain. Use both of them. Otherwise, you're crack brain. That's what I like to say. And Faye, Faye Petrakowski joins us on the phone. When we look at all of the things that we do to our bodies, Faye, you know, you talked about our body being a temple. I wouldn't want the floor of my temple at the end of my life to just be littered with fast food wrappers. So you're starting to convert me to a new way of approaching thinking about my health. Thinking about the state of my body and wanting to relate to it on a, a much healthier level, but really, with a kind of a kind of spiritual intimacy—if that's not too much of an exaggeration—people so talk to their bodies. They talk to their bodies and they get results. I'm sure you know that.
4: I think it's true, and, and I was thinking as when Suzanne said that um, sh- that fruit isn't always a good way to get off you know, the sugar, and I was thinking the times when I have sort of fallen off the wagon, it usually hasn't been the bread because I know where the breads will lead me. It, you know, it leads to colds and flus and a lowered immune system. But when I have fallen off the wagon, it's usually when I've had more than a couple pieces of fruit, and that's, that's the danger point for me. It's not so much the candy because I'm aware that that will cause trouble. It's when I think I can have more fruit. That's my, and so I think you're absolutely right, and I also was thinking that it, it, you, you start incorporating a spiritual value to, uh, into your life, and you say, I don't want to treat my body like it's a toilet, like we treat the oceans with plastic. It's a respect you have, and when you start respecting your body, you, you start, I've, I know people start, including myself, buying things that are also earth-friendly, less plastic, cooking more at home. So you, and you start thinking more about what's good for me, what's good for my body. It's a change. So I think it has to involve the mind, and it's, there is a, a, absolutely a spiritual part of it. But it is it's a it's a process. There are probably people out there that have done it and just never look back. And I haven't met one, but I would sure like to. I would sure like to hear their story, where it's not like a bumpy road. Like it's you know like people who give up drugs, alcohol. They often relapse. And they
1: say that's part of the process. But yes, Re- rec- sugar- recidivism. Yes. Yes. Going, going back and doing it. And you know, that's exactly what happened to me where i I lost uh, all this weight in three months I lost 20 pounds in three months and felt great clothes were fitting better and then of course we're coming into the holiday season and I'm saying oh I don't want to be a victim of the holiday season i and so I didn't bake any cookies I didn't uh, you know do that kind of thing but my neighbors brought over cookies and I <laughs> ate all of those and and so you know and then there's you know there's just additional things things that are going on that are, um, you know, holiday treats at holiday time. And and so I said, well, after the first of the year, I'll get back on track. There is a, rev- a, a, rev- a recidivism that goes on with all the addictions. And it is, hard, it is hard to say, okay, now permanently and forever I will change. When Gary and I were talking about how we wanted to – approach this year, we were setting some goals for ourselves with time limits on them.
3: Oh. And
1: so we said, well, how about if we do this for two months? Or how about if we do this for three months? And so we 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 look at it in a time frame. I it, It's hard for me to say that I'm going to make a change permanent and forever. And as you said, it could be that when you have a a a dire diagnosis, you have to make that change or else, or else you're leaving the planet. But, you know, if you can say, I will treat myself to, you know, whatever it is that calls to me that, you know, hot fudge Sunday or whatever it is the first of March or the first of April, you know, that if there's a period of time when you can kind of hold off on that, making those little changes, those little wins, and allowing your, the reprogramming of your mind to occur, as you were talking about that, to the point where your taste buds change, everything changes, It it just makes that whole process easier. But we do need to be realistic about what we can accomplish and have some exit doors for ourselves so that we do stay on track.
4: Absolutely, and you know, one thing I've learned finally, instead when I go to somebody's house, I tell them, instead of saying, this causes this, like there's sugar in the food, it's not good for you, and you 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 know, and you could get, it feeds cancer and blah, 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 it's not good for the body, I'll I'll say instead, you know, I'm going to bring my own food, or I'll bring a dish that I can eat because I get sick, I have an intolerance to eat, therefore it's totally on me. And even with that, I've had people who who me will say after a while, well, do you think you're going to ever eat bread again? And I'll say, I hope not. The other part, unless they engage me in the conversation, I don't say to them, unless they ask for more information, and the wheat is sprayed, and it's not good for us. But I don't say that. I'll just say my body will not tolerate it. Therefore, I don't have to put any pressure on them, or I've even gone to people's homes for parties and such when I've actually eaten a full meal, and I make sure I'm stuff, because I used to go to people's homes and say to myself, okay, this is my cheat day. The problem is the cheat day doesn't stop when you leave their house. And (laughs) that's where I would get in trouble. I started having more cheat days. And then I could always tell my weight went up and I'm eating food that I'm not supposed to be eating. and I'm not exercising as much. So there's a pattern. And if people can identify their patterns where they slip or they don't slip, that's information too.
0: Yes. And isn't it the way with people. Everyone can relate to this. Cheat day becomes cheat week, then cheat month. Pretty soon a year has gone by, and you look in the mirror, oh my God. Yes. This is what it is to be human. This is what it is to be human in a Western society where food, however well or poorly manufactured, is readily available. You know, there are people, say, who come over from the former Soviet Union, and one of the things they tell you is they're just astounded when they enter a grocery store generally, an American supermarket, but especially when they walk down the cereal aisle. I mean, oh, yeah. this and marshmallow that and such and such puffs. <laughs> and they're going, we didn't get this back home. Well, they, they don't have the money for it. for
4: it. It's true because if you went into most markets and you looked at what's good for the body and what isn't, you, you wouldn't have much of a market left. But also people don't realize, I can have soup for breakfast. I can have salad for breakfast. I can have avocado and, and an egg. I mean, they don't think, I can have leftovers. I can have protein and I can have some parsley. Or maybe I'm, I'm going to have some hot water and lemon and maybe a cup of coffee, maybe not, and I don't need much. Or I'm just going to have some nuts or I'm going to have a sesame. butter. we think of breakfast as certain foods. And I think you're right. And and so that's where we sometimes get in trouble. Our minds don't go to those other places.
1: Oh, I think you're right about that. And and when I was on this very limited diet, I found myself at breakfast time eating all kinds of things that you would never think of as breakfast. As you said, I was eating a salad for breakfast, or I was having soup, or having sautéed vegetables, or, or something that you wouldn't identify. And it's funny because... Today, uh, Gary had leftovers for his first meal, and I was eating green beans. They, they were they were there. They were left over. I didn't want to throw them out. I thought, I'm just going to saute some green beans here and, and have those with a little lime juice. And um, and so you, you can eat things that you wouldn't think of as breakfast foods. But I think one of the really important things that you just said, Faye, was ask your body you know, if it needs to eat, if you're satisfied with a, a, a hot drink and, and maybe a, a, a few walnuts, maybe that's all your body needs at that moment. And if you use your intuition and, and say, is, is this going to be enough? Is this OK for now? You know, we can't eat like it's our last meal all the time. We need to know there's plenty of food we can eat whenever we want and you can always have something later but to stuff ourselves every time we sit down is is part of our obesity problem that that scarcity problem what if this is the last meal i eat i better make it a big one
4: you know it's like the death row meal that's true and i think there and i there are lots of ways people can save money when they say eating healthy is expensive. And I'm just starting to explore that. But one of the things i found is sometimes markets will put something on sale after, you know, they put it out one day. And if you go, like, to the meat department and you get friendly with people and you start having conversations, you could say, so when do you reduce the price of this? Or can you tell me about this? Because oftentimes they code things like some of the stores will bring in a new line of products and they'll get rid of stuff. Oftentimes the different employees are happy to have that conversation with you, and you can end up saving a lot of money at the farmer's market, for example. You go at the end, and oftentimes they don't want to put the stuff back on their trucks, or and they want to get rid of it. You don't have the same selection maybe at 11 o'clock or 12 as you do at 8.30 or 9, but sometimes that's the way. There are lots of ways you can save money, so it doesn't have to be as expensive, but it's, it's, it's a it's a research project and learning how things are, the distribution process, how it gets to the store, how some of these stores, like a grocery outlet or all these, how they get the products that are reduced because of the expiration date, and it comes in these what they call banana boxes, which means they pay pennies on the dollars for stuff, and they get it on the shelf. It doesn't have the same expiration date that it would in a regular store. It's very complex. And if you ask people, for example, to deliver the stuff, to the stores and trucks, all they're doing is delivering, they may not know. Sometimes the store owners, store managers or owners will know, but for and at the farmers market, you have people who aren't the farmers there often and they just sell the stuff so they don't know. So it's very, very complicated.
1: I heard you say earlier when I was asking about eliminating sugar, you said that might be maybe three on your list. Number one would be to drink more water, number two would be to eat more greens, um, yes. and probably eliminating sugar would be about number three. In the last um, 10 minutes or so of our show, I want to, we, we've talked about you know a lot of what we need to change, but I also want to include in the conversation what first steps can we take? Step number one, step number two, a couple of things that people can do that are of a very practical nature okay. because they're not gonna turn their whole lives upside down unless they're going through the crisis door. You know, Absolutely. unless they've got such severe pain or something is going on with them housewives that they have to. But for regular, normal people who wanna be healthier, maybe lose a little weight, you know, what kinds of things can you recommend?
4: I would, first of all, you have to have food in the house. My experience has been because if you don't have the food there, like if I want to cut down on the sugar, then I need to make sure that while I'm not eating so many brownies or cookies that I can reach for the nuts. I don't have to go cook that, they're right there. So you have to have the supplies on hand. I would make sure that while I do that, I also maybe have some chicken in the refrigerator or some hamburger or, or, you know, tofu or something. So while you're cutting down something, make sure you have sweets. Make sure you have something else to go to. Some people may have a little more organic brown rice or regular rice. So I think while you do that, have something ready to eat. Maybe you take some walnuts and almonds in the car with you and make sure you have enough tea or water. So. I don't think it's enough just to say I'm not going to have brownies because then your body's going to be screaming at you, please, please, please. So you're going to have to have something else. in It's place. a I have substitute. A who-
1: you want to substitute something healthy for something right. unhealthy, right? Like if you got a crying baby, you know, you want to substitute really fast, you know, something right. that uh, that they can put their eye on.
4: So, for example, I used to do um, cocoa powder alternative milk and maybe a little bit of a creamer that it had a touch of sugar in it or else I put a tiny tiny bit of honey or stevia and it didn't taste real sweet but that got me through the flavor of my brain wanted chocolate. So here I could create cocoa chocolate milk without having all the sugar in it. But I think is to have something easier than having to go to the stove and heat something up something up. Maybe it's hummus, maybe it's Nuts, I think you have to have something physically there that you can reach for so you don't reach for the next cookie. I think that's the practical way to do it. And then, you know, you go out from there, okay, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to go to relatives, but first you have to start in your own home. That's what I think. That's what I would do is is keep the nuts on hand, have extra, and I would drink more water. Most of us are not hydrated enough. And, And then say, okay, what else can I have besides the cookie?
0: I know that the late great Dick Gregory got people to lose hundreds of pounds. I mean, I'm talking about per individual. This was going on back in the 80s. And he said something I never forgot. You need to drink more water if you intend to weigh less. He, I think it was on Donahue he said this. We all remember oh, that show. yeah. And he said, if you drink nine glasses of water that will help you lose weight. But what will accelerate that weight loss is for you to drink an extra glass of water beyond the eight or nine that we hear we should be taking in an extra glass of water for every 10 pounds you wish to lose and to do it daily. So do it daily. And the other
4: thing that works really well, and first, it's really difficult for some people you take a tiny, tiny bit of apple cider vinegar, like maybe a teaspoon. You put that in water first thing in the morning. You drink that, then have another cup, and then have your breakfast. It helps you your body become more alkaline, and also you're not going to want to eat as much food, but there's something about the taste of the apple cider vinegar that helps help me, help me not want something sweet in the morning like bread. I, it kind of shakes up your body and goes, wait a minute, you really want this. But the water works because you're not as hungry. So there's several things. You have to have more water. I also would use green tea in the morning. I would use herbal tea. But I found if I'm not, if I'm slipping with the diet, that I'm also not drinking as much water, not doing apple cider vinegar, not doing my exercise. There's a chain reaction. So it's not just one thing usually.
0: That makes sense to me. It is a holistic approach after it all. It is
4: a holistic re- approach and my goal when I, either when I'm working with people to help them get in touch with their intuition, you know, whatever for whatever reason, whether it's food or business or whatever, is to, to become more aware. But the other, the ultimate goal is not whether you have insurance, high quality, you know, a lot of insurance, a little insurance, is to, to make yourself keep healthy enough so you stay out of the hospital, stay out of the system.
1: That's oh, the goal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Once you get in the medical line. system. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do I ever know yeah, that? Yeah, I'm saying,
4: but that's my goal. It's not... Obamacare, this insurance, Providence, whatever, is to stay healthy enough so when the flus come around, you don't get sick, so that you, yeah. your body's working well, So you don't have over-the-counter prescription, you know, whether you buy something to, so you have a laxative or you get a prescription for the doctor, so you don't need the stuff. You essentially become your own doctor, and I think that's probably, we we're always called, called upon to be our own physician.
1: Faye, Gary was telling me that you are working on um, a recipe book or a cookbook. Is that uh, that a work in progress, or is that about finished? It is, and
4: I started it
1: to get myself
4: off the sugar when I realized that I was, when I admitted to myself that I'm a sugar addict. It took a long time, but yes, and I started with recipes, and then I expanded it to soups, and I'm trying to work on protein bars, and then I realized people don't understand food addiction, so it's grown. I'm not quite sure exactly what it's all going to entail. I have probably a couple hundred recipes, probably 150 that I can use, but I'm trying to find a way to help people get off what they're eating and do that transition. So there are some people that will use food dehydrators, or people that will say, no, I'm not going to do that, but I'm willing to to make brownies and use a less sugar substitute fruit. So that's where I'm going with it.
1: Okay. Well that sounds good. If people would like to carry on this conversation with you outside of our hour today, do you have a, a either a website or social media presence or something that you would I like do. to pass on?
4: Yeah, I'm going to I they can go to my website inner, inner-design.net or they can uh, I'm on Facebook, they can call me at 503-804-9747. Um, they can absolutely, I've got media presence, and they can email me at at inner designnet I'll respond to them. I'm always looking for interviews, and um, I would love to hear feedback from people on where they're struggling, how they got through it, where their challenges are, because uh, a lot of us are in that boat. You know, the legislation is not out there to protect us, and neither are the companies. So you really have to take it upon yourself.
1: You know you're going to have a group of people who want the information. You're also going to have a group of people who have succeeded with something. Right. And it's nice when you can collect that information as well. I I read or heard somewhere that your flavored seltzer waters are as good as your still water or your or your non-fizzy water. And so I I have quite a few uh, seltzer waters now flavored seltzer waters and um and that also helps you know i'll start out with 16 or even 32 ounces of just plain water in the morning um maybe a little squeeze of lemon or lime in it but um I also like the flavored seltzer waters. I like the the cherry and the grape and the coconut flavored. And and so some of those are are nice too. And that's giving you as much hydration as the uh, unflavored waters. And I was happy to hear that. That's not actually a pop. It's a water substitute.
4: And I know people that do that. They'll get the Italian water from a store and they do the same thing. And I think people have these little tricks. Mine is apple cider vinegar. Uh, mine is a cold pressed coffee that I don't heat up, so it doesn't become, you know, acidic. I think people have their tricks. Mine finally got to be the nuts. People have their survival kit or thrive
3: kit, right. you know, right. and
4: hopefully one goes to the other. And and they have their techniques for dealing with family. And sometimes they offend them, and sometimes they don't. So people need to develop their own way of being in the world that works for them. And the and the challenge is to go from something that that looks Huge and beyond possibility to take the baby step. And if you slip back, sometimes slips are good. You gather information and then you move on and keep going. It's not the falling down that's the issue or falling off the horse, it's the getting back up. Okay, I did this, now let's keep going with it.
1: Yes. Yeah. Faith P.
4: Trukowski,
0: we've been just entranced hearing some of this advice because it makes us hopeful. I was listening. I wasn't always addressing it verbally, but I'm absorbing it. I'm internalizing it. And I think I'm going to put some of your good advice to use to use right away. If uh, people want to get in touch with you online real quick, where do they find you
1: online? Inner-design.net.
0: What's that again? Right.
1: Inner-design.net. Thank you for being with us today, Faye. Thank you. It was great. And all we right. will touch
0: base again with you. We'll bring you on, and we'll see how it's going for us all.
1: Come coming up next
0: jupiter is rising rising like leavened bread and join us next friday (laughs) once again i hope your year is off to a good start everyone we'll see you next friday 10 a.m pacific on 1150 kknw have a great week ahead everyone the preceding audio was via a skype call